0: Last week, I was asked to comment on TV programs on two separate cases in Ohio and Louisiana, and this turned out to be fortuitous. When I did my research, I discovered these were not two separate cases at all, but in fact, the beginning of a rapidly advancing trend as the anti-abortion movement is already gaining significant traction after the election of Donald Trump. Danger, danger, you need to know about this. I will lay it out. Plus, anti-Trump app rockets into the top 10 and this week's top five recommendations on what you can do in the resistance.
1: Lisa Bloom now joins us. Civil rights lawyer, Lisa Bloom. Here to discuss how is Lisa Bloom? Trial attorney, Lisa Bloom.
0: Hello, Resisters. I want to start with this call today because a lot of people ask me this question. Hi, Lisa. My name is Gally you on Twitter. Um, I'm really curious about something you said on the podcast that some of the news shows won't allow you to say certain things. Um, I'd like you to elaborate on that if you could. It's pretty fascinating. I'd like to know how they tell you, if they pre-interview you, how it works. Thank you. Bye. I represented Jill Harth. She was the first Trump accuser who came out publicly using her name and her face about six months before the election, and she talked about her 1997 lawsuit that she had filed against Trump for sexual harassment and sexual assault. And then in the summer of this year, I wrote a piece about the child rape case that was filed against Donald Trump. And that woman reached out to me, and we had a number of conversations which I need to keep confidential because of attorney client privilege. But news shows over the summer were not talking about Trump and the women. You may not remember that now, but I do because Jill Harth and I were out there and we did a few interviews with The Guardian, which is a British news site, with Law News, which is a small legal site, but otherwise the American mainstream media did not want to touch the story of Jill Harth and me accusing Donald Trump. And so when Trump made an offhanded comment about sexual harassment at one point that women should just leave the company if they're sexually harassed, I went on a number of news networks, and before I went on, I was told not to talk about Jill Harth, my client, or the child rape case that had been filed against Donald Trump, to stay away from those topics. And sometimes I abided by that, and sometimes if I was on live TV, well, I just blurted it out anyway, because, you know, I could. Here's how it works. On all the big shows, we get pre-interviewed. So I get an email, Lisa, can you come on? I get these every day. I do television and radio every day. Uh, Yes, I can come on. We set the time. I know the topic. And then often a producer will call me and explain what they want to talk about and what they don't want me to talk about. And usually there's nothing wrong with this. They just want to focus me on whatever their subject is. But sometimes it is wrong, like if you're talking about Donald Trump and sexual harassment and you're not talking about people who have actually filed sexual assault cases against him. So I got pretty tired of it over the years. I've often felt frustration when I wasn't allowed to talk about things that I thought were very important. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, so I can speak freely. And, you know, the Access Hollywood tape came out in October. And after that was released with Donald Trump bragging about sexual assault, well, then everybody in the mainstream media wanted us on to talk about it. They all woke up to this issue that Jill Harth and I had been talking about for many months. But even then, they would book Jill. She'd rearrange her whole day. Then they'd cancel her. You know, they'd treat her like she was some kind of a robot and not a human being with a very stressful story to tell. And if you want to help Jill Harth her, website is JillHarth.Ha.r.t.h.com. h-a-r-t-h.com. She is a wonderful makeup artist. I wear her makeup. I love it. I don't get a cut. I just like to support my clients, and Jill Harth is worthy of her support. Okay, I want to turn now to my big topic of the week, and that is the major attack on our reproductive rights. Let's start with Ohio. In Ohio, the legislature just passed two very strict anti-abortion laws, one that would ban abortion at 20 weeks of pregnancy, as 17 other states already do. By the way, several of these 20-week abortion bans have already been struck down by the courts. And a second law was passed in Ohio actually banning, preg- banning abortion after a heartbeat could be detected, which is generally at around six weeks of pregnancy. And after a lot of drama and waiting around, Governor Kasich, you know, the one who was supposed to be the reasonable guy in the GOP race, he signed the 20-week bill today. Now, don't be deluded. Don't be fooled. Don't think, oh, he signed the more moderate one and not the extreme six-week bill. No, he likely did this because the 20-week bill would have a better chance of getting him to his ultimate goal, which is reversing Roe v. Wade. The fetal heartbeat bill, the six-week bill, would have banned virtually all abortions in Ohio. Many abortion providers won't even do abortions before five or six weeks of pregnancy. And a lot of women, and especially girls, don't even know they are pregnant yet at that point. It's just astonishing that the legislature would have even passed that. And they did pass it. And let's be clear, you know, what a six-week bill. Uh, Uh, embryo is. It really is just an embryo. It's a pulsation in a ball of cells attached to the uterine wall. It has no brain, arms, legs, or face. And the Ohio legislature would have prevented women from having an abortion at six weeks. And what did they say? They say, we are passing this bill because the election of Donald Trump has emboldened us. They say they would never have gotten the six-week ban through without his election. Who would have thought, resistors, that Ohio would be the state to pass such a draconian anti-abortion law, one that could ultimately wind its way up to the U.S. Supreme Court and overturn Roe v. Wade, which was, of course, the important case that guaranteed women the constitutional right to control our own bodies and to have abortions up to the point of viability, which is about 24 to 26 weeks. It varies depending on each woman in each pregnancy. So Donald Trump has vowed to appoint Supreme Court justices who will reverse Roe v. Wade. He made that very clear. He promised pro-life groups in writing. That's what he would do. And he is going to get to appoint a Supreme Court justice immediately because there is a vacancy on the court right now. And Senate Republicans have refused to even consider Obama's pick, Merrick Garland, That justice is going to replace Justice Scalia. So a conservative for a conservative, that's not going to change the makeup of the court. But listen to this. Three other justices on the Supreme Court right now, including the wonderful Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you should read her biography, The Notorious RBG. It's fabulous. Three liberal justices, including RBG, are 78 or older. RBG, God bless her, is 83 years old. She's had some health problems. She is not going to live forever as much as I wish that she would. And that's why I'm calling it Code Red this week for abortion rights. Donald Trump has also appointed a number of pro-lifers already, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, to Interior Secretary. She's got a 100% pro-life voting record at opposing abortion funding. Nikki Haley as UN Ambassador and Jeff Sessions as Attorney General. They are also very strong anti-choice people who Donald Trump has recently appointed. Now, that's just Ohio, friends. In Louisiana. There's a very disturbing lawsuit that's been brought against actress Sofia Vergara. You know, she's on Modern Family. She has been sued by her ex, but get this, not in his name. He, He brought the lawsuit by the fertilized eggs against her. In other words, they made a couple of embryos years ago. They then split up. They had an agreement. These embryos are not going to be implanted and brought to term unless both of us agree. Sophia Vergara, now, since they broke up, does not agree, but her ex, Nick Loeb, got a pro-life attorney in a pro-life state, Louisiana, to bring the case on behalf of the fertilized eggs, who he has named Emma and Isabella, if you can believe that. And Louisiana law gives embryos legal status to sue. It's the only state I know of that does that, but Louisiana does. So I thought of this as a celebrity case that I went on and I talked about it. I thought it only really affected Sophia Vergara and uh, that poor woman. I feel for her, but I didn't think it really affected the rest of us. But then I looked into it and I realized, good grief. If a Louisiana court upholds this, then women's embryos can be suing them in the future. Have we lost our minds? And there's more. In Texas... A woman seeking an abortion has to go through a three-day process right now and read a state-mandated booklet entitled A Woman's Right to Know. Well, the booklet was released in 2003, but it's been updated a number of times. And just recently, it's been updated to include a bunch of lies, a bunch of fake news about abortion, like that abortion is linked to breast cancer. It's not. Or that abortion is a dangerous medical procedure. Uh... It's one of the safest medical procedures out there. First trimester abortions have less than a .05% chance of major complications. Four states now, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Dakota, and South Dakota have adopted trigger bans They would immediately make abortion a crime automatically if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, leaving it to the states to decide if abortions are legal. This is where we are now. In Tennessee, currently only four out of 95 counties have abortion clinics. The majority of counties in many states have zero abortion clinics. Well, we warned that the Trump administration would usher in a destructive war on women. And this is what we were warning about. But even I am shocked that it's happening so quickly because let's be very clear about what happens when abortion is hard to get. Women die. Girls die. Especially girls die because they don't have the money or transportation to travel to another state. They often can't be gone overnight. They'd have to explain to their parents what was going on. So girls, when they can't get safe and legal abortions, they're going to try coat hangers and bleach and drink poison and go to back alley abortionists and do all the things that girls and women did in the years before Roe v. Wade. Up to 5,000 American women and girls died annually from unsafe abortions in the years before 1973. And that doesn't even count the number of suicides by shamed pregnant girls who had no options. We are not going back to those dark days. Please stand with me, resistors, against these incursions on women's reproductive rights. Up next, a much happier topic, my interview with the founder of a clever new app for all of us resistors and its rocket up the app charts. Joining me now is Nathan Lerner. He is the co-founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition Against Trump. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So I have talked about your app on previous podcasts, and it's just rocketed up into the stratosphere. Tell us about your app, what you're doing, and why it's important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again so much for, for covering our work. Um, it's obviously very important right now and, and really... Um, You know, the mission behind it was to empower people. Um, And the app is really simple, which is, you know, the beauty of it. Uh, It provides a database of over 250 businesses that are connected to Trump in some way. Uh, Either he owns them directly, he sits on their board, he has, um, you know, a stake in them, he's involved in them. uh, Or somebody who endorsed them is is heavily involved in the company. Or somebody who gave money to him is heavily involved. It it varies pretty widely. Uh, We wanted to empower people with the information so they can make an informed decision and boycott Trump and his allies so that we can hit them where it hurts most, uh, which is their wallets.
0: That's right, and it's called the Mm. Boycott Trump app, and it's available Mm. uh, for iPhone. It's available for Android. I assume it's available in all the relevant app stores. Absolutely. I just saw a press release and a couple of articles about the fact that the Boycott Trump app, your app, now ranks among the top 10 in the app store for lifestyle. You guys are up there with Tinder, Zillow, Bumble. I mean, wow, that's really amazing. <laughs> How did you make that happen in such a short period of time?
1: You know, I wish, I wish I had the magic answer, but I think it's just it really took off on its own because, uh, you know, it was, it was just very well received by people and, um, and by the media because it, it really was such a unique thing uh, for a political organization to put out. Uh, you know, it really was kind of a new step forward in the way that we engage with people uh, through grassroots movements, you know, in apps. That was, it's, it's something that people talk about doing a lot, but rarely can put together, because it's, it's, it's a bit technical and difficult. Um, but like I said, I think people really wanted a way to take action against Trump and take a stand. Uh, Democrats right now understandably do feel a bit powerless because we have a presidency. We have, you know, all the news trickling down every day. These, you know, folks he's appointing to his administration who, to be frank, I don't think are fit. Uh, We have a Congress controlled by Republicans. We have a a Supreme Court soon to be controlled by uh, the conservatives. And it's it's very frustrating to see. So we wanted to give people a means to take a stand and feel empowered. And this is certainly a major one. And I think that's why it really exploded in popularity. And, And last week was ranked in the top 10 because people were so excited to have something they could do in their everyday life to take a stand against someone like Trump.
0: Well, you know, you and I are so much aligned, Nathan, because that's the very purpose of this podcast is to tell people to stand up, shake off the despair, take action. And I have always believed that every dollar is a vote, something that Mm -hmm. my father, my father, who was a hippie radical from the 60s, who's no longer with me, but he always taught me that. He used to subscribe to a boycott newsletter uh, in the Uh 1970s and 1980s before the internet, and he would take it to the store, and he wouldn't, certainly didn't buy grapes during the famous Cesar Chavez grape boycott here in Mm -hmm. California that spread nationwide, that ultimately brought the uh, big agriculture to its knees to pay farm workers more fairly. And I think boycotts do have a tremendous effect. You know, we can vote every two years or every four years, and that's great, and we all should, but we can vote every day with our dollars. And I think that seems to be exactly what you're trying to do with the Boycott Trump app that's really caught fire. So how does it work? I, let's say I'm going shopping. Let's say I'm going holiday shopping to buy Hanukkah gifts for my family, and I'm in the mall. Do I do I open the app as I'm walking around selecting gifts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can really use it anywhere. Um, it doesn't require a connection to the internet um, once you've downloaded it, and you can really scroll through alphabetically and see where every business ranks, uh, or at least see what every how every business is connected to Trump that's on the app. And it does vary pretty widely. Um, you know, it can be something as direct as Trump literally owns that business or owns a stake in it, um, or something a little bit looser, looser of a connection, wherein the company might have sponsored uh, Celebrity Apprentice back in 2011 during Trump's birther movement. And despite calls of them to remove their support of him, they never did and never really released a statement about that. So that's a bit of a looser connection. But at the same time, they're still enabling him. They're still supporting him. And the purpose of this app is to hold every single um, business accountable for that.
0: Well, you know... I also want to say that, you know, corporate America has taken a very interesting role when it comes to civil rights in the last few years. And some of them, as you say, have supported Donald Trump and his businesses, even when he was making uh, offensive, hateful statements, and they stuck with him. On the other hand, you know, there are some in corporate America who have turned the tide for LGBT rights in some states when they were trying to pass anti-discrimination laws. And so they've been forces for good. Have you ever thought about doing some kind of app on the other side of, you know, what companies are doing? Doing good things that we can also support with our dollars
1: yeah that's a great point and that's a big reason why you know we launched the app to begin with is because there there is a huge potential to accomplish a lot uh, you know in, in good ways uh, for by corporate America we wanted to encourage them to do that um, so I think we have discussed and likely will add a section that includes uh, businesses and corporations that have really taken a stance for change um, and you know for something that folks can get behind well, it's just and that's an a idea. way to support them yeah, yeah it's just yeah, an absolutely. idea listen <laughs> I don't
0: need to tell you how to do your job because you already have the Boycott Trump app and it's already in the top 10 and I, you know people always try to tell me how to do my job but it's just an idea <laughs> it's just a suggestion Nathan Lerner of the Boycott Trump app which is hugely successful everybody check it out and Nathan thanks so much for your contribution to the resistance and for joining me here on the podcast today
1: yeah thank you so much Lisa and thank you for all you're doing as well Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. I turned off the recording.
0: Thanks so much, Nathan. Keep me posted with any developments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you as well.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And now the final part of the broadcast, dispatches from the resistance. My top five action plans for you this week because action is the antidote to anguish. Triple A, folks. Number five, educate yourself about what happens to women and girls when abortion is illegal and unsafe. Most of us don't remember the years before 1973. Watch a couple of things on YouTube that I found that are very moving and they are short. Before Roe v. Wade, personal stories, that's from 2012 and it's on YouTube, or when abortion was illegal, untold stories. That's from 1992. And it has women telling their stories of what happened during those days. It's going to wake you up as to how important this issue is. Even if you personally don't need an abortion, uh, I think it's going to really move your heart. Number four, Contact your state representative on the issue of abortion rights. So since abortion rights are state issues in our system for the most part, let them know that you stand for a woman's right to choose and you will not stand for any of the kinds of restrictions that I talked about earlier in this broadcast. And let them know that you are watching their votes on this critical issue. So how do you find your state reps? Well, honestly, you can just Google. But there's a good site, congress.gov slash state-legislature-websites, that's congress.gov slash state legislature websites, and all of the state legislature information is there, you just plug in your state. Also, friends, when contacting your representatives, and I hope you do it often, remember to give praise where praise is due. We're not just negative. So my reps here in California are all pro-choice, for example. And post on social media a little love uh, for the people who are doing good things in this field, for the people who are standing up for our rights. And when you're making calls and complaining and prodding them to do the right thing. Post on social media what you did, who you called, the phone numbers. Make it very specific so that others can follow and do it too. Make it nice and easy for your friends to do the right thing. Number three, contact your congressperson and stand for a woman's right to choose. And yes, Federal Congress does have a role in this because we're talking about the appointment of Supreme Court justices that can get Roe v. Wade reversed and take away a woman's constitutional right, which is very, very serious. So here's my suggested script. If your representative or senator is pro-choice, you say, hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, but I would recommend using your name. Hi, I'm blank, a constituent calling to thank senator or representative blank for supporting women's reproductive rights. I fully support a woman's right to make her own health care decisions, and I am afraid Donald Trump puts that right in jeopardy. I would like my representative to let the Trump transition team know publicly that he or she will not support anti-choice policies or Supreme Court nominees proposed by the Trump administration. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. If your representative is anti-choice, you can say something like this. I'm fill in your name. A constituent calling to let you know that I support a woman's right to make her own health care decisions. I am appalled by Donald Trump's promise to overturn Roe v. Wade. 70% of Americans support this landmark decision. I call on you to publicly support the will of the people. I will be watching your votes on this important issue. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Goodbye. Number two. Here's a call I got this week and remember by the way friends the podcast line is 818-835-0382 that's 818-835-0382
1: Hi thanks for your show it's absolutely
0: great um I'm wondering given there are so many questions about the validity of this presidential vote election process can are there any legal obstacles to calling for a second vote a re-vote um possibly even with electoral observers. Okay, thanks. Bye. Well, sadly, no, we're not going to get a re-vote. That is far too logical and reasonable, so it's not going to happen in this crazy election year. But here's what we can do. We can support the electors who are demanding information about Russian hacking of our election. This issue has been well covered in the news all week, especially by The Washington Post and The New York Times. I refer you there. Here on this podcast, I choose to focus on topics not covered very much elsewhere, so I didn't dig into it. But, of course, this is a very big issue, the Russian hacking of our election, intending to throw the election to Donald Trump. We all kind of knew that before the election, and now it's been confirmed by our intelligence agencies that Donald Trump has just chosen to ignore because anytime somebody says something critical about him, he just says, well, I guess that's just not true. And many of his followers seem to believe that. But listen, 10 members of the Electoral College have requested a full intelligence briefing on Russia's involvement in the election. This is big. So do your best to make sure they get that by calling your senators or representatives and party leadership and urge them to back the electors' request in a public demand. You can say something like, hi, I'm blank, a constituent calling about the CIA's assessment of Russia's influence on the election. I urge you to support the 10 members of the Electoral College who have requested a full intelligence briefing on the matter. I ask you to publicly demand that the CIA grant the electors' request and immediately provide a full intelligence briefing. This is very important to me. Our electors speak for the American people. They need to know whether Trump was indeed chosen by the people or whether their votes were overruled by Russian interference. I urge you to issue a statement immediately. Something like that. Use your own words. Thank you. Goodbye. Number one, my top choice for what you can do in the resistance this week. Donate to NARAL Pro-Choice America, N-A-R-A-L, NARAL Pro-Choice America. NARAL is fighting these anti-abortion bills nationwide, and they've been doing it for a long time. They are our oldest abortion rights advocacy group in the U.S. They've been around since 1969, which is four years before Roe v. Wade. NARAL targets anti-choice politicians, and it funds important litigation to preserve Roe v. Wade, and it's all about those court battles, friends. As a lawyer who does a lot of public interest cases myself, I can tell you that public interest lawyers need funding. Everybody somehow thinks we all should work for free all the time. A lot of us do a lot of pro bono cases, but we still have bills to pay, rent to pay, etc. So let's support NARAL, who supports the lawyers who fight this fight. And since Congress is going to be Republican-dominated and we have a Republican president, our best firewalls against Trump are the press and the courts. NARAL fights the good fight. They deserve our support. And so they are my number one resistance tip for the week. This is Lisa Bloom, Voice of the Resistance. Please subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends, and follow me on Twitter or Facebook. This podcast is brought to you by The Bloom Firm, where together with my team of eight other lawyers, we fight for justice for our clients every day, whether in a business dispute, family law case, or discrimination and harassment case. Every one of my lawyers, like me, has a passion for justice. The bar requires me to say that this is an attorney solicitation, and yes, we would love for you to contact us at thebloomfirm.com. Friends, in coming weeks, I will take your questions. Call me at 818-835-0382 and leave me a short message with your question and it might get answered next week. That's all for now. This is Lisa Bloom for The Resistance.